0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning. It's good to be with all of you. I am Pastor Mike. Thank you for worshiping this morning. I felt terrific. I love those songs that we had this morning. Uh, this series is focused on this idea of equipping you as a believer to do the things that God has designed for you to do. The Bible's clear that God formed and fashioned you in a particular way, and he has certain things that he's designed you and only you to do and accomplish in this life for his glory. Last week, we talked about spiritual gifts, that Christ himself has given you spiritual gifts to use for the common good. Today, we're going to talk about some spiritual voices that he's also given us as a church and you to influence the people around you and to move the church forward, both deeper and wider. This is a subject that isn't talked about a ton, but it's found throughout scripture. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm kind of excited about it. When I get excited about something, I start to talk really quickly. So if I get going, I've worked all week to not talk too quickly today, I go into teacher mode. So I'm going to try to pace myself. If I get excited, bear with me. Um, this is clearly taught in ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. there's this concept that christ has given the church different voices or passions to drive the church deeper and to drive the church wider and you're going to find that you have some of these in the way you think and the way you view the world in fact even as you're in the church and you're talking to people about the church you're going to hear different people say different things some folks might say why don't we spend more time really focusing on this issue, this political issue, the the end times, creation? Someone else might say, why don't we spend more time just loving on people and just relaxing and having more picnics? Someone else might say, why don't we spend more time getting out amongst the people? Why aren't we planting churches right now? Someone else might say, why don't we have more classes? Why aren't we going verse by verse? Why aren't we going through every systematic theology book ever written so depending on your background maybe you've said some of those things or thought some of those things maybe you've heard people around you say those things and each of those things are good things and we're called to think through each one of those it's hard to do all of them at the same time but each of those represent a passion a voice that god has given his church We have a tendency to view things through an existing lens with a particular point of view and with a passion that he's given us in our heart. And when these things begin to work together, these voices, these passions tend to represent and reflect Jesus himself. If you would, open up to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 11 today, where it's going to talk about these passions, these voices, these points of view that God has given us and we're going to look at a couple things. We're going to look at the importance of these voices. And then we're going to spend some time identifying these voices. And hopefully, on your way in, you've picked up one of these sheets. Uh, we're going to work through what passion, what voices he'd given you, and that he wants you to use to equip one another in each of us. And then we're going to look at the interdependence of these voices, how they blend together like a symphony. And finally, we'll have some action steps. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start with the importance of these voices. We're going to notice right away, they are from Jesus, and they reflect the passions and the voice of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, so Christ himself gave, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So he identifies five different types of people that Jesus himself has given the church. And each of these voices are designed to equip Christians to grow the church, to equip Christians to grow the church. So Jesus, Jesus himself gave these voices and these voices reflect Jesus. Ultimately, we would say Jesus was the ultimate apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. So when we see ourselves reflecting that passion, we're reflecting him. And when our voice starts to work with other voices in the church so that those five things are true, and we're going after all of them, we're then having the same passion and focus that Jesus had in his ministry. Now, these five voices include folks who are pastors and staff, but commentators would agree. It also includes every person who bears the name Jesus, every person who is a Christian. These voices, some of them are extra strong in you, regardless of gender. So if your instrument is a cello, if that's the, the instrument you're really good at, you should learn how to play your cello really well. But when it comes time to play with the other instruments in the quintet, then you should also play your cello really well with the people around you. It should become a symphony that is beautiful. And that's how these five voices complement one another and work together. So in terms of the importance, they're from Jesus, they represent Jesus and they are necessary for maturity. Let's go through the passage again and we're gonna go a little bit farther into verse 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what I want you to notice in that passage is the progression Christ has given us these five voices, and these five voices are uniquely designed to equip, to train, to prepare each and every Christian to do the works of service. Like we are all called to do it together. We're all Christians who are actively working and serving Jesus, and these five voices help us do that. And when that happens, the body of Christ begins to be built up, to grow, Attaining to the fullness of Jesus himself. It means we look like him. We act like him. We do the things that he would want us to do. And the world sees that, and the world itself is changed. So connect the two dots. These voices are necessary for us to mature in Christ. These voices are necessary for us to mature in Christ. So the next... Step is for us to equip and to help you to identify your voice, your passion. So, on this sheet that you had when you walked in, on the top it says APES. That's just those five voices in an acronym Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher. There's little spaces in front of each one of them. So, I'm going to take some time and describe each one of them. As I describe them, I'm going to talk about what that voice looks like. I'm going to give two examples from the life of Jesus. And then I'm going to talk about what it would look like if we didn't have that voice in our church. Okay, so that's how we're going to work through each one. And as I work through each one, I would like you to figure out which one is your number one. I would also like for you to figure out which one is your number five. As I describe them, one's going to stick out. You're going to say, That's how I view the world. That's how I think. That's what's most important to me. And then there's gonna be another one that you're gonna go, wow, that's just not the way I think. So get your number one, get your number five, and start to process. What's your number two, three, and four? And even when this sermon's over, if you feel like I'm just not sure what it is, there's a little website at the bottom (laughs) that you can go to and take a test to figure out where you land in those five voices, in those five roles, On the back of your paper at the bottom. The reality is that you are probably already living out the way God's designed you and the passions that he's given you. These five voices oftentimes play a role in what we do for a living. So there's a little chart at the bottom just to help you think through the one, two, three, four, five on the front. So when it comes to these five voices, there's a couple of things I want us to think about as we jump into the descriptions. Number one, our culture, our experience, and some of the time we've spent in other churches has given us some misconceptions and some baggage into this discussion. For some of you, when you hear the term apostle or prophet, you might cringe a little bit because of experiences you've had in churches where particular people were called those things, and maybe you didn't like what those people were doing. We're not going to use your church experience to try to describe what's happening here in scripture. We're gonna try to use Jesus as the apostle, Jesus as the prophet and these verses to describe to us what the context of Ephesians 4 is. And many would also suggest that only Jesus is all five of these things. Jesus was the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet evangelist, shepherd and teacher. He was those things. So even as you start to figure out what you are, what this is going to draw you towards is Jesus. Say you're a teacher and you want to grow in your teaching voice. Who should you look at to grow? Jesus. Say you're an evangelist and God is giving you this heart to go out and to talk to more and more people about him. Who should you look at to grow? The answer is Jesus. So this topic both draws us to look at Jesus, our Savior, and to learn from him. And this topic also causes us to be able to equip one another and to look more like him. So both of those things will happen. So in this first section, we're going to look at apostles, prophets, and then evangelists. So if you take the first letter of each of those, that's an ape. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes these folks are described as apes, our first three folks. They're often in the church caged or exiled to the jungle. Each of these three apostles, prophets and evangelists just have this thing inside of them where as long as the mission isn't done, they're restless. They're always pushing the church out of their comfort zone. Who hasn't heard? What people group has yet to know Jesus? What's the mountain that we have to take? So sometimes churches like to just kind of push the apes off to the side because sometimes they're really annoying. I've got a little bit of this in me. I know what it feels like. So let's jump into the, the apes, starting with the apostolic voice. And you'll see small district descriptions even here on your sheet. Apostolic voice. Two big words that kind of represent this point of view is sending and extending sending and extending the apostolic voice is often the carrier of the banner for mission in the church kind of like when a football team takes the field those folks that pull up the banners and run out in front to get everyone excited about where they're going and the mission they've been called to often that's the person with the apostolic voice they are sent ones planters initiators influencers they extend the mission to those who have yet to hear they guard the DNA of the church and they extend the DNA of the church. They're often characterized by innovation, risk, and perpetual movement forward. And when we say apostolic, we're not talking about just the 12 apostles, but rather everyone who has this voice and this urge to take the mission forward in the church. So Jesus was the first apostle. In John 20:21, 20, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. Jesus Jesus was the first sent one. And then Jesus, after he built into his folks, into his disciples, he sent them. You are a sent one. We are all sent ones. Jesus was the first apostle. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus, in his last words, reminds us of mission, He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations until all people groups have heard, until everyone has been given an opportunity, you go and you go and you go and you continue to make disciples all along the way until all the nations have heard. Jesus is the one who has sent us. Jesus is the one who pushes us forward. To exile the apostolic voice or to lower the voice is to remove the growing edge of the church. This voice may feel, make people feel uncomfortable, but it's also the voice that keeps us moving forward. It's always pushing. Until all nations have heard, until everyone has been given an opportunity, there's a restlessness in the soul of the apostolic voice. The mission must continue. And without this voice, mission tends to move to the background in the church. The prophetic voice. The prophetic voice. The two big words for the prophetic voice is revealing and reforming. Revealing and reforming. So when it comes to the prophetic voice, we're not talking about foretelling the future. In fact, throughout all of Scripture, including the Old Testament, foretelling the future was a small part of what the Old Testament prophetic voice would do. Most of the time, they were functioning as covenant enforcers. What that means is this relationship, this commitment between God and his people, the prophets would go out of their way to sustain and to call the people to be faithfully committed to God and their commitment to God and their commitment to one another. So most of the time, the prophetic voice is used to call us into intimate communion with God, prayer, intimacy, and Advocacy. The voice would also call us to be right with one another, to be right with God vertically and right with one another horizontally. You might feel that in your soul. There's usually a call to truth. This is the right way to do it. This is what God has called us to be faithful to God. Jesus in John chapter 4 is interacting with the Samaritan woman at the well, and she looks at him and says, Sir, I, I perceive that you are a prophet. She was right. In John chapter four, verses 43 through 44, Jesus describes himself as a prophet. He says, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet, him, has no honor in his own country. Much of God's wrath directed, are directed towards two things in the Old Testament. Unfaithfulness towards God and injustice that we move and put towards the fellow man. So whether it's unfaithfulness or a lack of justice, that's what would usually make God angry in the Old Testament. And he would use his prophetic voice people, his prophets, to draw people back to him and to reconcile people to one another. So if you notice that in yourself, perhaps that's the voice God has given you. If the prophetic voice is dampened within the church, it is easy for us to find ourselves disconnecting or drifting from God. Truth may begin to bend to our preferences. We begin to focus on ourselves, our security, our comfort, our peace, forgetting that there are so many outside of our walls who are beaten down, hurting, and in need of our help. The evangelistic voice. And even as I'm going through these, if it feels like there's a lot, in your sermon notes on the app, at the bottom of the outline, all these notes are actually written out for you if you wanna go back and look at them. The evangelistic voice, two big words, exciting and inviting, exciting and inviting. This voice brings people into the story of God by telling them the story of God, the story of Jesus. Through the evangelistic voice, the gospel and the kingdom emerges. They are mobilizers. Not only do they share their faith, they call others to share their faith. They are storytellers. They're making the gospel connect to everyday life. Jesus was an evangelist. Matthew 4:17, right at the beginning of his ministry, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus would use so many opportunities to get the the message out. The gospel is here. The kingdom is at hand. It's time now to repent. In John chapter 3 and in John chapter 4, he spends time with Nicodemus, one of the leaders of the religious world, and with a Samaritan woman who is an outcast, a part of an outcast people. and She's outcast even amongst those people. And in both situations, Jesus says, you must be born again and you must drink of the living water. In those small moments, Jesus's thoughts were, how do I share the gospel? How do I tell them about me? And he could do it. He could tell the story both to the religious leader and to the outcast at the well in the middle of the day. Jesus was an evangelist. And then in Matthew 10, five through seven, he also calls others to evangelize which is also a part of this voice, they tell the story. And then they call others also to tell the story of Jesus. He says to a bunch of his disciples, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus would say it, and then he'd train and help others to also say it. Without this voice, Without this voice, the energy throughout the church begins to wane. The gospel can fall into the background. New people are not drawn to the church. No one is pushing us to tell the most important story that could ever be told. We become centered on ourselves. And oftentimes a church who isn't led with some evangelistic voice grows colder. It grows older and eventually the doors begin to shut. You're going to notice every voice is incredibly important. Every voice. Jesus was the apostle. Jesus was the prophet. Jesus was the evangelist. We learn from him. So those first three we call apes. The next two, the shepherds and the teachers, they kind of play a different role. So in this right here, you're going to see At the bottom, we have our pioneering gifts. They tend to take the gospel forward outside of the church. Shepherds and teachers tend to take the gospel deeper into the church. There's a developing role for the shepherd and the teacher. So when it comes to the shepherd, the two big words that stick out for the shepherd is protecting and providing, protecting and providing. They care for others They know the sheep by name. They're connecting people and they are protecting the flock. They walk through the Psalm 23 journey with others. They guard and they guide. They fight and they contend and they seek wholeness. In the heart of the shepherd, they're willing to walk through those deep valleys with others. They don't just watch others hurt but they stand beside those others and they hurt alongside of them. There is empathy, there's compassion, there is prayer. There's a staff that protects, but then there's also knees upon which they will go to to pray for others. Jesus was a shepherd. In Matthew 9:36, it says Jesus is looking at the crowds and he has compassion on them. It says he has compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. So you see the heart of a shepherd in our savior. He sees folks who are hurting and his thought and his passion and his prayer is that God would take care of them. In John 10, 14 and 15, Jesus is very clear. He just says, I am the good shepherd. And then he describes what that looks like. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And then he goes on to say, and I lay down my life for the sheep. A shepherd is willing to lose a lot for the sake of others. They're willing to lay their lives down for the sake of the lives around them. If there's a bear, they put themselves between the bear or the wolf and the sheep. Without this voice, the sheep become downtrodden, worn out, and possibly dismissed. Some sheep may be left behind. We move quickly, but it can be at the expense of losing many along the way. Mission becomes overwhelming because we never stop for water. We never stop at that green meadow. Wounds never have time to heal. So without the shepherding voice, it might be a church that goes for it, but it never slows down to take care of those who are hurting. All right, our fifth one. You're doing great. We have made it through four. We've got one more. Teaching. There's two words that kind of stick out with the teaching voice. It's explaining and training. Explaining and training. The teacher can contextualize information and then impart it to build wisdom and understanding in those who are listening. They help people receive truth and they help people live out truth. The teacher should help play a role in the transformation of God's people. The teacher also can read the signs of the times they can connect God's word to God's world in a way that is relevant. and helps people move forward to reflect and to live out the things that God has called us to do. The teacher coaches, the teacher trains, the teacher creates systems for both learning and growth. In Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus as the teacher. Teaching is As I make my little list, I usually put teaching pretty high up on my list. So when I want to learn more about how to teach, I look to Jesus. In Matthew chapter five, he begins this Sermon on the Mount, probably his most famous time of teaching. And then for multiple chapters of Matthew, we read this brilliant teaching. But the way it starts, I love this image, is it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountainside. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened up his mouth and he began to teach. Back in those days, you would typically teach from a seated position. So as he would go up onto the mountainside, he created a bunch of space for people to sit around him. And then he sat down. And by sitting down, he's saying, I am the teacher. Prepare yourself to learn. And he was surrounded by his disciples and he was surrounded by many. And then Jesus began to teach. In John 13, 13 through 14, This is the time when the disciples are with him at the end. It's in the upper room. Do you remember when Jesus washes their feet? Well, he tells them and he teaches them, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And then he gets on his hands and his knees and he washes each of their feet. So as a teacher, not only does he tell them and explain to them the what's and the why's, but he gets on his knees and washes feet and he demonstrates how to do it. So the teacher Gives out the information, but the teacher should also be demonstrating what has been taught. Without this voice, without the teacher, the Word of God can be handled incorrectly. We begin to drift into error. The gospel being shared may no longer be the gospel at all. God's people can become disconnected from the Word, and when that happens, they become disconnected from Jesus and the only source of transformation, God's word working through God's spirit. The enemy can introduce subtle lies that take hold over time and the flock can slowly be led astray without the voice of the teacher. So all five voices are necessary. All five voices must be working in conjunction with one another, complementing one another. Each one has an instrument to play. So interdependence, interdependence. As you have been looking through your sheet, hopefully you've identified a couple that stick out to you. So what do you do now? Take your number one and number two, and what I want you to do is I want you to look at Jesus. If your number one voice is shepherding, Jesus is the good shepherd. If your number one voice is evangelist, your evangelist voice, look to Jesus. He is the greatest of all evangelists. But as you study, as you grow, realize that this is your preferred voice. This is the way you see the world. And that's beautiful. But you're also designed by God to work in conjunction with the other voices. Your voice is to blend. So you're going to naturally have preferences. I want more classes. I want more study. We probably have a teacher's voice. But your voice has to blend with, we need to take care of people. We need to go get the next hill. We have to take care of those who aren't even with us yet. So your voice must blend with the other voices. Our goal is never to shape Jesus or his church into our image. We are to be shaped by Jesus into his image. And that must be reflected in the church. And it's reflected in these five voices. So your voice matters. My voice matters. But your voice is a blend, and it mixes with these other five voices. And you're going to see this in churches. When churches stop using certain voices, they become something slightly different than what Jesus intended. Have you ever been to a seeker-sensitive-only church? I have. There's great things about a seeker-sensitive church. Everyone wants to go there. It's a big deal. In that room are probably lots of people that don't know Jesus at all. There's a tendency within a seeker-sensitive-only church to be a mile wide, but sometimes just an inch deep. Because all the energy is put towards production, making it the most beautiful thing you could ever see. Back in Louisville, there was a church like this, and we called it Six Flags Over Jesus because there's a Six Flags Park, and you couldn't always distinguish between the two. Uh, so there's something beautiful about it, but there's also something lacking about it. So in Louisville, one of my favorite seminary professors was leading a church. So I went ahead and went to that church. I was super excited. I didn't dress up enough. Everyone had a suit on. I was dressed kind of like this or worse. And I showed up, realized I was maybe in the wrong spot in terms of how I dressed and I didn't bring my Greek Bible. I didn't know you're supposed to bring your Greek Bible. Did you bring yours today? So I sat down there and I realized within moments that this church is presenting stuff deeper than the seminary classes that I was going to. So it was an inch wide and a mile deep. I could never bring anybody with me to this church. My wife had no idea what was going on, so we didn't go back to that church. So there was something beautiful about that church, but there was something lacking from that church. My wife and I were also part of a church in Louisville for a while. That was a church plant. It was a Filipino church plant. I am not Filipino, but my friend James Santos was Filipino. So we were trying to help him plant this church. It was very much a family church. They were struggling at focusing on people outside of the walls of their church, but they were very good at loving one another. Very good. So as we would close each service on Sunday, the entire place would smell of fish. Not like that good smell, like that not-so-good smell of fish, because we would always have a big lunch afterwards, and the fish still had scales, and they were still looking at you when you were trying to eat them. And I just, I just realized that like this was a beautiful thing. They loved one another well. No sheep was ever left behind in this church. But also, I couldn't really bring people here, and the people in the neighborhoods around the church never wanted to come, because there was always the weird smell coming out of the church. So it was a great family church, and it was beautiful, but it was also lacking something. So for us, that's the question we always have to be asking, is are we embracing all five? To embrace one or two of the voices is beautiful, but it's still lacking. So in terms of the action for the church, there are many different voices that can fill different areas of service. Could be pulpit group leaders deacons elders and amongst those different places of influence there should be some of those different voices in some of those different areas it doesn't point to a particular church model but it points to the need to hear all these voices at different times in some way as a church we need to shepherd we need to love but we do need to go at the next hill we need to teach we need to go deep but we also have to share the gospel to those who have not heard And we have to also go after those who are not being treated well, those who are hurting in our community. All those voices come together. So when we go back to this image, there's both something dangerous with this reality and something beautiful with this. So like I said before, there's a tendency within the church to cage or get rid of the apes, okay? If the apes take over the church, the church is going for it taking the next mountain, but sometimes the sheep get left behind. The herding don't get loved and taken care of. They have a conquering culture, which is both beautiful and dangerous. When the shepherd teachers are in charge and the apes have been exiled, there's something beautiful. People inside the walls of the church are loved and taken care of, but sometimes those outside of the walls are forgotten and dismissed. And you will be turned into more of a consumer culture, So, there's a conquering culture and a consuming culture. And when they come together, we can really love one another well. So, separate, they're dangerous. Together, powerful, beautiful. Why? Because they reflect all of the passions and all of the intentions and the voice of Jesus himself. So, all five of those voices matter and they're called to work together in conjunction. So, that's for the church, for the individual, for you. Here's some thoughts as you see your number one and your number two, I would like you to spend some time in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at how Jesus did those things. If your number one is shepherding, look at Jesus as a shepherd, learn from him, grow from him because your voice matters as it reflects Jesus and reflects God's word, then your voice matters. Everyone you come in contact with, when you're loving the way Jesus loves, you're equipping them because they're now, they're now seeing what it looks like to live like Jesus in that way. Now look at your number five. You probably have a number five. I do. Um, so with your number five, I would love for you to find someone in your life where your number five is their number one. Where your number five is their number one. Because when you spend time with them, you're just going to see the church. You're going to see the world through a different set of eyes. So find that person. Say your lowest one is shepherding. Find someone in your life who's a shepherd. Spend some time with them. Listen to how they pray for people, how they love on people, how they think about people, because that becomes your growing edge. Just because it's a five doesn't mean you're not called to do it. Say your fifth one is evangelism. It doesn't mean you don't have to then share your faith. So we're called to grow in all five of these voices, but there's a couple that are going to stick out. And I'm asking you to use those in this church. And the ones that aren't your voices, I'm asking you to grow in those. Because the more we look like those five things, the more we look like Jesus. I'd like us to end where we started by spending some time rereading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. As I read this, I want you to see yourself in these verses. What has Christ called you to do? And what is your growing edge? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Let's pray the Lord would help us with those things. Father, we come before you. In Jesus, you are our apostle, our prophet, our evangelist, our shepherd, and our teacher. And Lord, you've given each of us some of those voices and skills and passions. I pray that you would use us to grow your church. Allow us to be a church that has a blend of those things that we might hear your voice clearly through your word. And I ask that in your son's name, amen. For more information, visit us at biblecenterchurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.